And welcome into the latest edition of the Sports Roundtable on June the 4th, 2019. Once again, Kelly Gamble is in studio to be with another edition of the Sports Roundtable. Kelly, how are you? Always good, Aaron. And as always, I say it's great to be here. It's an honor and a privilege. And uh, thank you each and every week for having me on. I look forward to another in-depth discussion of the topics we'll be talking about tonight. Folks, tonight's uh, podcast is being brought to you by Three Guys Fitness in Reedsville, Preston County's number one facility when it comes to getting your workout in by Brouhaha in Kingwood on Price Street where the coffee beans are roasted in-house and the coffee beans are absolutely delicious and by Park Superstores in Brewston Mills. Tonight we're talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates disappointing weekend they had a four game series against the milwaukee brewers only win one of those games which kelly by the way we were very lucky to be a part of that one a very offensive game two home runs the pirates didn't hit any home runs but they did get the runners when they the pirates done something that they didn't do this season generally well which was bring runners in from scoring position. But Chaucine brought in a lot of runners in on walks. He did. He walked a lot of batters. Which he walked gave, the pitcher. He, he did. He actually uh, walked Archer. And uh, there was 13 singles in that game, along with a couple errors that actually uh, benefited the Pirates. So, yes, we did have the privilege of actually seeing the one win out of four. However, Aaron, whenever you have home field, and have, you got to protect it when it comes to division uh, teams. And, unfortunately, the Pirates had an opportunity to win the following day had a 10 to 8 lead after being down 5 to nothing the pirates come back and took the lead and had that 10 to 8 lead and unfortunately we just received the night before a shirt that was called the nightmare and the nightmare was 14 of 14 with save opportunities unfortunately the following day with a two run lead in the ninth he gives up a two run homer which was the second one to Orlando Arcia and they went to the 13th inning um and again, basically because of that two-run homer in the top of the 13th, R.C. is second of the game, uh, but he blew it in the in the ninth um, with a home run that he gave up. So, unfortunately, the nightmare had a nightmare, and the Pirates fell um, and ended up losing three out of four in that series to Milwaukee. So, as we speak at this moment, the Pirates are five games back, uh, only a game and a half in front of Cincinnati right now with all the teams in this division still kind of locked up kind of equal right now. It still surprises me when it comes to these 10 to 8, 10 to 6, 9 to 4, all these high scoring games. And yet the Pirates still think they're okay with their pitching. They do, they have not went out. Yeah, they called up Mitch Keller, the number one prospect. Uh, which big, gave up big six runs in the first inning, and of course you're going to take a beating sometimes, and sometimes you come up and you make a, a miraculous first start, but in, unfortunately uh, in his case, now he did settle down a little bit for the next three to four innings, but uh, you know the damage was done when you give up six first inning runs. Uh, hopefully he'll, he'll settle down and someday he'll be a part of that rotation, but right now it looks a little early for Mitch Keller as well. But uh, no, they're not okay, Aaron. You and I know that. Uh, the back end of the bullpen, I, you know, there's going to be time at a, your closer uh, with the stuff that Vasquez has. He'll be an all-star. Josh Bell will be an all-star. But And speaking of that, we'll get to that here in a little bit. But Josh Bell is starting to – I hope he's not going into a slump because he had a he had a game there the other day, and the game that they lost it, they should have won, which was blown by Vasquez. He was over six with four strikeouts, I believe. So um, Josh Bell has been carrying the Pirates, but he's going to also have off days. So your two main men the following day after that 9-4 to win – are two of the guys that we relied on that basically had 
tough days for the Pirates uh, following the 9-4 to win on Friday evening. That game we went to, they're only... They showed up on the billboard before the game started, the Pirates' offensive leaders for a season. Josh Bell led every category with the exception of the stolen stolen bases category, which was led by Starling Marte. When you have one person leading your offense, would you consider that alarming as a fan? When you think, well, what happens if this guy goes downhill or he gets injured or something absolutely. like that? Absolutely. Thank the Lord that hasn't happened to Josh uh, Bell. Absolutely. And I think I asked you on one of the podcasts that we did, what are we going to do if Josh Bell's not hitting? Because right now he's carried us on his shoulders. And, uh, you know, they, you've got to have a well rounded team. And when you see that one person is leading pretty much every category, and Josh Bell is never going to lead the Pirates in stolen bases. So that's not something we can look forward to. But, uh, you know, we need each and every player. And I guess what sometimes gets me. Marte was having a great game picking up Josh Bell uh, on Saturday and was four for six going into an at-bat that was four for five at that moment, and it was critical. We had runners, uh, I believe the bases was loaded, a second and third with only one out, and Marte uh, hits a weak ground ball on the first pitch. A lot of the times, again, it's pitch selection, and Marte likes to swing pretty much at everything. And even though he had previously had four hits in a critical situation, uh, he hits a weak ground ball to the third baseman that uh, gets the force out at home, and they eventually get out of the inning, and we go on to, again, lose that game as Vasquez blew the save. So um, it's unfortunate, but yet we have – there is people there, the, the players as far as offensively. The Pirates have their moments with Marte and Polanco, and Polanco still has been a little bit inconsistent right now with his offense. But, you know, with those three outfielders that you have right now, and with Reynolds and and Cabrera also both hitting well, you would think that the Pirates could compete when it comes to offense. But, unfortunately, the name of the game is what, Aaron? Pitching. And you're right. Can we continue to go on like this with our pitching staff? And the answer is absolutely not. And, you know, when we do have a, a bad start by a starter, we don't have any relievers that really have consistency until, again, the back end of the bullpen, which is Kyle Crick and uh, Felipe Vasquez. So if you, you can't get to the back end of the bullpen, though, if you're already down by four, five, six, in some cases this year, 12, 13, 15 runs as we lost one game 17 to 2. So the consistency of the pitching is going to have to change. And, you know, we, it starts with the minor league uh, players and what we do within the draft. And we did get a 18 year old young gun. However, he's not going to be up for probably three, four, five years. You never know. But he's, he's definitely a guy we may be able to see being in Kingwood because generally when the Pirates draft somebody like that, and if they are able to sign him remind you he is a high schooler so he may not sign with the pirates and decide to go into college but regardless of that fact the pirates have the morgantown black bears the west virginia black bears which their season starts very soon you could see this young man playing in the black and gold or the blue and gold of the Black Bears this season. So. Yeah, when you first said Kingwood, I wasn't sure, but I know what you mean now. The Black Bears, West Virginia Black Bears in Morgantown. Uh, when you said we may see him in Kingwood, but you never know. He might come to Kingwood. Well, I, what I meant is we're so close to Morgantown. I misspoke. We're okay. so close to Morgantown, us Kingwood residents. Just making sure everybody understands. Well, uh, but maybe he'll come up here to Kingwood. Uh, maybe he'll, maybe he'll go to Brouhaha and have a cup of coffee with us maybe whenever you he comes in. Know. You I mean, never know, Aaron. That's could, it could be a possibility. Well, I mean, the Pirates, that's one thing. Before we jump into the discussion of the draft picks, that's the one thing that kind of hurts me as a Pirates fan is we rely on the draft. We don't go out and spend money when 
the opportunity to win a World Series is ever so prevalent, especially with the NL Central. I saw a stat. Don't I may I may be a little bit off on this. I saw a stat on either it was NBC Sports or Fox Sports. The Cincinnati Reds are in last place in the NL Central, and they're only five games out. And that that was a couple of days ago, so that's changed. Uh, they're six and a half out. Okay, so, five, so they've so, lost yeah. a few games that knocked uh-huh. them back. Every other division last place team is generally 12 back, at least 12 yeah. back right now. Which, which shows that the Pirates, if they were in another division, would not be where they're at. Well, right it now also shows yeah. how much this division is up for grabs. It is. Considering the fact the Brewers went out and got Mike Moustakas. The St. Louis Cardinals went out and got Paul Goldschmidt. The Chicago Cubs—they're always staying busy. They got, they got, they got the Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant. They got, they got a World Series caliber team, and the Cincinnati Reds went out and got players: Matt Kemp, Yasiel Puig, and Alex Wood from the Los Angeles Dodgers. So all the Central teams went out and spent money, with the exception of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And our biggest signing this offseason. You know what's where he is at now? On the disabled list. 60-day DL. <laughs> Absolutely. And he has the same issues that he had last year that only allowed him to play 28 games. And we're this, talking about Lonnie Chisenhall. And this goes back to a conversation that we've had, uh, I believe, on the last podcast or the one before. Either way, we've talked about whether or not the Pirates are going to be able to afford and spend money. And, and unfortunately, Aaron, it just doesn't look like that's going to be the case. And, uh, you know, until we have an owner that has a deeper pocket uh, with his wallet, uh, there's absolutely no way that we're going to ever compete unless the rest of the division does fall short. And right now it seems to me that pitching has been the inconsistency in the entire uh, National League Central at this moment. Well, Dallas Keuchel's out there, but like I've said yet again, squash that rumor. The Pirates not getting him. I just saw a rumor out there today that the New York Yankees and the Atlanta Braves are the two teams that are in hot on this guy to get them as a pitcher. The Yankees, obviously, in a big market of New York City, they have the money to go out and open their wallets up to pay this guy the money that he rightfully deserves. And Craig Kimbrell, the former closer of the Atlanta Braves, and the Braves are interested in bringing him back. Well, I, I've always liked Kimbrell. I mean, Kimbrell was somebody that I thought at times looked untouchable. So, But you just never know. And, again, when it comes to the Pirates, um, like I said, we have a, a back-end bullpen, uh, you know, eighth and ninth innings. But, again, you have to have a lead when you get to the eighth and ninth for the, the back end of the bullpen to be effective. So, again, unfortunately this year, and, you know, right now, again, I've said this many times on this podcast that – I'm amazed that we, the Pirates, are exactly where they're at, and they're only two games under 500 and still in competition right now, again, sitting only five games back. The night that we went to the game, they picked up a full game that particular night on Chicago. Milwaukee has now, because of that three out of four games against the Pirates, has moved ahead of the Cubs, and Milwaukee sits atop right now, the National League Central, uh, and the Cubs, and then St. Louis is right there at only three and, and a half St. Louis out. swept the Cubs. Uh, yeah, St. Louis has now made that move, and so the Pirates have lost ground to every team right now, including the Reds, and again, they only sit a game and a half above the Reds for last place in the National League Central. However, when you're only six and a half out as a last place team, it's still way up for grabs because we're not even close to the All-Star break yet. Oh, no, no. We haven't even hit where we only got 100 games left in the season. So to say the Pirates should panic, I wouldn't say panic's the word. I say the Pirates should act concerned. Ray Series should definitely be concerned because this team was supposed to be built around pitching. Trevor Williams, I have a feeling he'll he'll be back soon. Trevor oh, Williams, he oh. didn't have that 
uh, seriousness of an injury. Um, I, I gotta, I mean, step in when it comes to the Ray Searidge thing. Ray Searidge is most of his career has taken pitchers that has not done well in other places and helped him. Yes, he has, and he's done well with them. However, this year, I can't blame it on Ray Searidge, a pitching coach. It's injuries. I mean, we have injuries, and you can't take kids and expect kids to come in that should be playing in double-A and triple-A and put them in a major league ballpark and expect them to come in and compete and win. That's just not going to happen. I don't care who you are as a pitching coach, who you are as a manager. I may not always agree with some things as far as Clint Hurdle. I'd like to see him bunt more. You know that. Uh, we've talked about that, discussed that. I'd That's love to see key, runners move uh, up. It absolutely is. I have a hard time with Clint with that. However, he's a good man. He's overall, I think he's a decent manager, and I think he does the best with what he has. And when you look at that, again, you have players on the Pittsburgh Pirates right now that are basically double-A and triple-A players, especially the pitching staff, not necessarily our position players, and you're expecting them to win. That's not going to happen. I mean, not not saying you, but people are expecting the Pirates to compete with these arms that are basically, they haven't even had their time yet in the minors, and if they have, they've never proven themselves yet. So we have really, I mean, look at all the injuries with our pitching staff, and when you have the top two and three pitchers of your and of your staff that's basically been down, I don't know how anybody can expect the Pirates to do any more than what they have, and I'm amazed, and I, I say kudos to everybody for the fact that there's still only five games out and two games under 500 at this point in the season. Let me say this. When you're talking about what the Pirates are doing this season, I think a lot of this is attributed to last season. The Pirates were expected to finish, a lot of people probably expect them to finish 20 games under 500 last season. Yet they finished above 500 last season and had a rather surprising they, season, winning 11 they, games in a row at one time, did. having a very sparkling offense had before, an opportunity. before it went cold against the Chicago Cubs in that yeah. big four-game series where what I think what a max of like five runs was scored yeah. that whole series. Regardless of that, heading into this offseason, what is different about this Pittsburgh Pirates team? They've only really, Injuries. Well, well, besides the injuries, the players they have brought back, they have brought back the core of the team. But, With the exception of Josh Harrison and Jordy Mercer, losing them to what, what, what else have we lost? We have only gained. Really? Well, well, I agree, and that's what I'm saying. It has nothing to do with anything other than injuries. I mean, you, you still can't, have Kella. He's yeah, on the DL. Yeah, Corey yeah. Dickerson on the DL. And you, and you have Reynolds and Cabrera that has come in and, and more than compensated for anyone else that was lost. And uh, so the outfield, as far as, again, your position players, again, Josh Bell at first, Adam Frazier at second. I mean, when it comes to the shortstop position right now, Kevin Newman has been doing a, and a great job, and I think he had a Who 14. made a Jeter-like yeah, move the he, game we went The through. first play of the game, absolutely. As we, we was walking through, Well, we was walking through seats and actually uh, – uh, we saw it on on a TV uh, monitor there going in, and Kevin Newman made a wonderful play for defensively. And again, Kevin Newman once played for the Black Bears here in Morgantown, but uh, he is at 14, 15 game hitting streak. He's hitting well over three hundred. So you got Colin Moran right now with Jung Ho Gung again not doing his part. And that's so, I think an air guy we really expected. Yeah. Um, my dad, not not taking any shot at my dad, but my dad I think called a. Uh, Jung Ho, the dark horse this year well, for the Pirates. He power. did, and by the way, since we're going to go to that subject, I got to bring something back at you. If I remember correctly, when you asked me who who my picks were for the Wild or the World Series this year, I said the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Houston Astros. Both of them's looking pretty good, Aaron. <laughs> I think I, I think I went against the Dodgers. You this did. Year. You told me that the Dodgers there was no way that they would do that. And I said I, Atlanta Braves. I, I, I got to pick. You did say the Braves, but I had to pick on you just real quick. Where whenever you brought oh, that yeah, moment to, back to, to my remembrance, I mean, we're, it's a long ways until October. It is. To be absolutely. honest with you, I didn't write down those picks, and I think I totally forgot. I think I said the Boston was still going to go in the AL, and I said the Braves in the yeah. NL. 
Um, but yeah, the Dodgers look very hot, and I think the Dodgers still could contend for another World I think Series. They, yeah, they would. And again, I basically just kind of picked that. The Dodgers, for some somehow, some way, always find these young kids to come up and just they look like a superstar in their first their rookie season. Well, and they got owners that'll spend money. They you got do. Magic they Johnson do. leading the way that, and they're in a big uh, market with LA. So, so. Yeah. but going back to your to finish up the question that you had, there is nothing different. And like I said, I think they position wise they've improved. I believe they've improved position. Wise, but it's pitching wins and loses baseball games. Well, pitching's just like defense in football. Defense wins championships. Pitching wins championships. It does. It, and when you're pitching, you're on defense. Absolutely. So. And uh, so again, it's not the position players. It's not Ray Siri. Just not Clint Hurdle. Like I said, I'd like to see him bun a little more. All you other, need is one point to win the game. And if you got defense, there's a good chance you can win a lot of games. You generally need more than one point or one. Uh, Absolutely, and while we were there the other night, uh, Polanco made a nice run and sliding catch, and uh, we'd talked about that on one of the previous uh, shows, and so I was happy with the hustle. You know, it's nice to see Polanco and Marte uh, go all out. Um, I saw, uh, you know, Marte's running out, uh, and Polanco both running out ground balls, and that's that's all I could ask for as a fan is to make sure that to see these kids that are out there Archer. competing. Uh, Archer Archer, Archer got his second win of the year. He was one and five going into the game. Five straight losses. Uh, yeah, with five straight. And also, again, the thing was when I saw the pitching matchup. And by the way, Chasin was the pitcher for the Brewers that night, and he did struggle uh, with his command. He, he had just wasn't um, always bad. I think he had Pirates. five walks. No, not in the past. But uh, he went on the DL right after the right after the game. I don't know if you knew that or not. Chasin was put on the disabled list, so obviously he was hurt. And the game that we was at, so he was already having an issue or a problem. Or, I know how that works, and I know where your mind's going with this. More than likely, because he got beat up by the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think that they may have probably had an injury right there that maybe he didn't have that yeah, was that bad. Yeah, he got beat bad. by the Pittsburgh Pirates so, pretty bad. So. so he did. So they're going to probably make a move and try to see if they can get somebody he else in the rotation. before the third inning. He did. And like I said, he was – I mean, and the Pirates wasn't beating the ball off the wall. They was just getting some sharp ground ball hits that, you know, into the outfield that – but 13 singles, when you get 13 singles and, you know, you have 13 hits, you should win the game. Uh, anytime that you have double figure and hits, most of the time you should win the game. Which, by the way, that was probably Archer's best start of the year. And everybody's going to say, well, Archer gave up four runs. He gave up one solo home run, and he gave up one crucial three-run homer that cut the lead to three at the time. And he gave it he gave it up to the catcher of the Brewers, who at the time was hitting under 200 yeah. for the season. So uh, it's not a guy you would expect uh, well, to see. Aguilar was actually hitting under 200, and he hit the first one that, yep. that tied the game. And he... He put it pretty deep into the you know the, the pirates shrubs out there and uh, both Same guys guy did. Um, so yeah, then uh, yeah, also the the next homer. But anyway, uh, I just think that uh, Archer is going to have to show consistency if they if the pirates are going to have any chance. Uh, he's the one on the message boards that many people, as you know, is actually coming against the pirates for that. Uh, that honestly, trade. Uh, honestly, there's a lot of animosity, and so Archer's going to have to prove himself to the fans, you know. But in all honesty, he has to prove himself to his manager and to his teammates. Final talk before we go into the Mountaineers debacle. The Mountaineers being drafted in the Pittsburgh Pirates draft day picks. I want to talk about this Chris Archer trade for Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass. Now, I think scenery does a good thing. Tyler Glass now was going nowhere fast with us. We gave him five years, and he had done nothing. His ERA was subpar, and when you go somewhere else, 
look how much better he's done. Look at Francisco Liriano. Look how bad he was at the end of his tenure with the Twins. Then he goes to the White Sox, and he does very well. And then he goes to the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he does very well. He has done well. So I think a change of scenery it's, helps him. It, with the exception of Austin Meadows, yes, he is hitting wonderful, and I think he would have hit wonderful this year, and everybody's thinking, oh, if we would have had him. I don't think that's... Uh, well, you can't play that scenario and that roll out. I mean, they, he never had enough at-bats for the Pirates. He didn't do... He didn't do badly whenever he was with the Pirates, but he wasn't there long enough for anybody to say whether it's going to be a good trade. Let me just say it this way. Aaron, people cannot say a trade is a good trade or a bad trade until that person is actually traded and goes and they put up numbers. And to be honest with you, if your team, in our case the Pirates, and they go on and they hit well, and all honestly, what do we want them to do? We want them to do bad because it looks bad whenever they go and they succeed and do well. I'm not always that way. I like to see kids that was in the system go and, and play well no matter where they're at. And I guess you'd never want anybody to do, you know, unless they're competing against the Pirates, which in this case they're not in the American League. Jed Jerko, by the way. Uh, well, Jed Jerko, I root for him all I the time. I love to but see no, him do good. But when I he mean, plays against the Pirates, well, I'm like. Well, I'm the same way. Uh, you know, I know that there's uh, you know, Jed Jerko being a Mountaineer and a local boy out of University High School. I mean, I don't root for him when he's playing the Pirates, but I if the Pirates win, I'd like to see Jed Jerko have a good game against the Pirates if the Pirates win. So as a fan, you, but the thing is, the only people that's out there talking about this trade, if if Archer was 6-1 and one and had a, a 2.38 ERA, and if Meadows and uh, Glass now go to Tampa Bay and they fail, everybody's on the, they're flipping the table on the other way. So no one's ever going to know what someone else is going to do when it comes to a trade. Um, so it's basically like people sometimes expect the owners and uh, the general managers to basically look into this crystal ball and try to figure out whether this player is going to be good enough or whether you gave him enough time in Pittsburgh. And here's the other thing. The same fans that complain are the ones that say, how could you trade them whenever you actually keep somebody too long? And then they complain because you keep them too long and they've never produced in Pittsburgh. And then they go somewhere else and do produce. And then they say, well, they should have got rid of him before that. Everybody's going to complain. I don't care who you are. Uh, well, there is. There's a lot of people that just complain, and, you know, it's the old armchair quarterback type thing when it comes to football. It's no different in baseball. People's going to complain no matter what. And, again, I, am, I think that the Pirates organization, even though, again, I understand there's not a lot of money, I don't know how any fan could be complaining with the position we're in, with the injuries that we've occurred with our pitching staff. So, again, I'm amazed. I mean, I I think it's great. Do I get upset at times when they get blown out? Yes, but, again, I've told you many times a loss is a loss, a win's a win. It don't matter if you win 17-1 to or you lose 17-1. to It's the W or the L that counts. So, with the fact that they're still in a 2-500 and they have an opportunity, that's all we could ask at this point until we get some pitching back. Okay. Let's uh, go on to something else because we're a little bit behind because we want to talk about Mountaineers this weekend, what they accomplished and what they did not accomplish, where Alex Manoa, Alec Manoa went and Ivan Gonzalez went. And then also the Pirates are also in the major leagues as well, and they're, they've been drafting players, no Mountaineers yet. Folks, this, this sports roundtable is being brought to you by Brouhaha on Price Street in Kingwood, where the coffee, bean, the coffee beans are brewed in-house, and the coffee beans are absolutely delicious. By Three Guys Fitness in Reedsville, mention you heard this ad on 96.7 K-Country, receive $5 off your initial membership fee. And by Park Superstore in Brewston Mills. Kelly, let's now transition to the NCAA Regionals. The Mountaineers fell in a very dramatic fashion. 
Um, uh, fashion that us as Mountaineer fans are all well accustomed to being the Oklahoma football game, the pit game when we should have went to the national title game, and now this, a game where we could have played and a chance to play Duke later that night and advance into the Super Regionals. We were unable to do that, but there is also good news coming out of this weekend. The Mountaineers were able to crush the record for the attendance on Friday night by almost a thousand people compared to the Texas Tech game I went to. So my yes. streak lasted a little bit longer than yours yeah, did. From the pit game. But yes. I have a feeling this this record here will last for a while. Well, what I'm hoping is that they get that consistency with Coach Maisie because Coach Maisie has the ability as a, a head coach to have the Mountaineers on a consistent basis in a regional Morgantown. That's what I'd like to see. So if that would happen next year, maybe we could break it next year, but it's only going to happen in a regional. I don't see it ever happening in a regular season game uh, unless we have some type of a streak or a record just going, which would be something that would bring the people out through the regular season. But kudos to the Mountaineers again on a wonderful season, fourth place in the Big 12, second place in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, They had that opportunity to win a Big 12 title, but they did – succeed and bring in a, a regional that means they're a top 16 team which they were the 15th seed overall uh they go into the first game on friday night whenever we was in pittsburgh watching the pirates defeat milwaukee nine to four um i'm listening to it all the way on the way home they started uh, nick snyder they saved their ace alec manoa who just became again today the 11th overall pick of the toronto blue jays congratulations to mr alec manoa who is in line and in check to make four point two five million dollars on a signing bonus right now as a number one pick that's a lot of money before you even step onto the field uh so again with that being said the mountaineers saved alec manoa for the second game they pitched nick snyder in the first the mountaineers proceeded to beat fordham in the first game six to two on friday night which set him up with in great shape with manoa going against duke who had upset texas a&m also previously on friday prior to the mountaineer game uh duke starter pitched a heck of a ball game it proves that you don't have to be a cannonballer because i had the opportunity to watch it on the espn app and duke's pitcher had the mountaineers off balance the entire night uh defeating alec manoa and the mountaineers four to nothing which put us in the losers bracket which mean, meant we had to beat texas a&m and come back and beat duke twice the mountaineers jump out to a nine to one lead in the seventh inning uh, with our freshman pitchers that we started in the game against Texas Tech, who we defeated 2 nothing to get into the Big 12 title game. And they both, again, pitched well. Uh, however, Audinger ran into some trouble a little bit, gave up six runs, and things got really... Um, it got to the point where it was 9-7. to seven. The Mountaineers added on a run to go to 10-7. to seven. Now we're bringing in Sam Kessler to finish out the game, but they expected him to go two and a third innings. A closer is not used to going two and a third innings. Maybe an inning and a third, but a two and a third innings, they asked Kessler to come in to finish off Texas A&M. They end up getting a couple singles, a walk. The bases are loaded. There's two outs, two strikes. One of those moments that as a kid, I had the opportunity to be in a few times to win a game 16-15 to 15 with a game-winning home run, but it wasn't a grand slam. Mine was a three-run homer in Little League, Aaron. <laughs> However, Texas A&M, Again, with two strikes, two outs. The Mountaineer Nation down going crazy. Up, Mountaineers up three. Texas A&M down three. Bases loaded. What more could you ask for from the man at the plate? He hits a game-winning in Morgantown 
grand slam to finish off the Mountaineers on a walk-off fashion. And, man, was there a lot of disappointed fans with tears in their eyes, including me. I don't know that I had tears in my eyes, but, boy, was I a little bit hurt. A little bit sick to the stomach there. Um, the, something, I, I was at work that day, and I went by the ballpark and saw the Mountaineers were up 9-7 to seven around the seventh inning, and I was like, we'll be playing Duke here soon, but then... A couple hours later, I looked up on my phone and saw the Mountaineers had lost and their season was over with. And I was like, you know, they say you have a successful season. I don't know. I mean, nobody goes back and says, well, you had a good season. Well, where's the trophies? You only finished second in Big 12. You didn't bring home a trophy there. You did bring home regionals, but. There's no trophy for winning regional. No, there's not. And again, you basically you make the you make the NCAA field. It's always an honor and a privilege because when we think about it, Aaron, how many times has the Mountaineers actually even made the NCAA tournament over the last? Let alone host a regional. Exactly. So the fact that they made it and they even hosted and they was a regional team as far as hosting and again the number fifteen team in the nation when it comes to seedings. So we were a top fifteen team this year. Um, you can't ask for more than that from Coach Randy Mazey, but yet, should we have won this regional? I think it comes to this as well. You can't have one pitcher and rely on him because Alec Manoa was our starter and our ace all year long on Friday nights, and Nick Snyder also, who got the win, again, on the first game against Fordham, but you've got to have a third starter. When it comes to these regionals, you've got to have a third and a fourth starter that is consistent. Um, and, and like I said, Manoa... Manoa can't win whenever they don't score runs because Duke's pitcher, again, pitched a whale of a game and, again, just had him off balance. His fastball was not that great, but his off-speed stuff, his curveball, his slider, he, he placed it. He was hitting the corners, and that's a pitcher. You know, We've talked about this before when it came to Atlanta Braves when they always defeated the Pirates back in the 90s. It was because Maddox and Glavin – now, Smoltz was a fireballer, but Maddox and Glavin knew how to pitch, and this kid pitched a mastery uh, masterful game. He just he mastered the strike zone, and so it proves again that you don't have to throw ninety eight to one hundred mile an hour to be a great pitcher. So that's what I saw, and I saw a kid that really pitched a heck of a game, complete game. So uh, since or the, eight innings. I'm sorry, they brought us closer. Since, in. since the Mountaineer season is over with, and I did watch Randy Mazie's post game press conference on Sunday, and he you could tell he was shaking up just by the way he was talking. He was choking up. He defended his player, and that's what I love the most. He he. Proved that he was a father figure. Can you imagine Sam Kessler letting down all those fans in Morgantown there that day? And if you watch the replay, the kid put his head down from the beginning. He basically dropped his head at the pitcher's mound. And Randy Mazie was a true, true father figure. Not just a head coach at that moment, but he treated him like a son. And he consoled him. And that's all you can ask for as a head coach is to console your player and tell him it's okay. Because, you know, Morgantown was a buzz. And uh, I feel for Sam Kessler, and the kid has done well and pitched well as a closer for the Mountaineers over the last three years. So I, I feel for the kid, and I'm sure he's hurt. And you know, Aaron, as well as I do, there's been people in the major leagues that committed suicide. Donnie Moore for the California Angels at one time uh, basically gave up a game-winning home run and committed suicide. So people don't understand all the effort and time that these kids put in and, and the coaches. And so I, I think we need to, you know – just put everything into perspective and understand it's just a sport. Praise the Lord. The Mountaineers had a great opportunity, and they came to Morgantown. But I really feel for Sam Kessler. So. But anyway, they did have a great season. And how about some pirate picks that they got? And then we'll 
get ready to close this thing up. Well, let's talk about, since we're on the Mountaineers, let's okay. talk about where Alec Manoa went. Alec Manoa that, got drafted uh, yeah, 11th did, overall did by... Did mention it, by the Toronto Blue Jays. And Ivan Gonzalez got Ivan drafted. Ivan Gonzalez, 230th pick by the Chicago White Sox, who last year drafted Jimmy Galuski, uh, shortstop and local product right here at Preston High School. So anybody that didn't know, again, when you have a Preston County boy who was drafted last year in the 20th round by the Chicago White Sox, and uh, that is where Pudge Rodriguez went to the 8th round, 230th pick, to also to the Chicago White Sox right now. Uh, Mr. Gonzalez, I believe, is going to have a future uh, in Major League Baseball. I, he is my favorite player, actually, when it comes to position players. I mean, you you got a lot of them. Darius Hill in right field, Brandon White, who, by the way, had a gruesome injury that looked really bad as he sprained his neck going into the wall after a ball, and he's made so many spectacular catches all year, Aaron. It's just amazing. Uh, Brandon White's speed and athleticism, but he had, a, had an injury that he was down on the field for a long time, and uh, he stayed in the game. However, he did miss uh, the next game uh, when it came to Texas A&M uh, with his injury. But uh, he showed a lot of grit and toughness. Uh, so, anyway, right now, I'm sure that there will be other Mountaineers taken. We are speaking right now in the afternoon uh, and Tuesday, and uh, the, the draft is taking place as we speak. So I'm sure that there will be other Mountaineers drafted uh, later on today and definitely, I'm sure, tomorrow. Well, and let's transition now to the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates did draft in the first round. They had the 18th overall pick. And with that pick, they chose a guy out of Cary Grove High School in Quinn Priester. He is, stands at six foot three, 198 pounds, and he is at the age of 18. His four-seam fastball can reach up to 97 miles per hour, a fireballer. Fireballer, and again, 18 years old, young arm. Um, we want to hope that he is going to stay healthy. And also, again, if you're a fireballer, it's about where you're placing that fireball at. Uh, so um, let's believe that he's going to hit the corners and he has that overpowering stuff. And, again, it's going to take him a couple of years at least, two to three years to get through the system, I'm sure. Um, so it's always great. I, I like to see the Pirates draft these young kids. And, you know, when you take a college kid, some of them come in and they, they do well. But when you have the time to develop an 18-year-old arm, um, that's that's a big deal. And I think the Pirates, hopefully, they will take many pitchers in this draft because they need them and they need them quickly and they need them to compete quickly. Yeah, definitely. The way the Pirates are having their pitching staff right now, heck, you may see Quinn Prester up here as soon as he signs the contract. You never know. Not, not, not. That's not going to happen. But I, you know what? Uh, I don't know. You probably don't remember Daryl Strawberry. I mean, you might know the name, but Daryl Strawberry came up at 19 years old. He wasn't a pitcher, but if you remember, Mr. Gooden, Gooden and Strawberry were both very young kids for the New York Mets, and I mean, they just took baseball by storm. Uh, the fireballer Gooden, and also the big old lefty with the big old uppercut swing, Daryl Strawberry. So young kids, it is possible to come in and look at Bryce Harper as well. So w- there's always a possibility a of a young kid right coming yes, coming up quickly. So you never know. All things are possible. And then the Pirates had a compensation A draft pick, which was the number 37th overall pick, and they stayed in Pennsylvania and got Sammy Ciani, from William Penn Charter School, Charter High School, well, uh, Sammy Ciani is an outfielder and he bats left-handed, so he definitely bats from the same side of the plate as Gregory Polanco. And he's he's an outfielder. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, you know, again, I think that what they normally do, Aaron, is they take the best uh, possible uh, player that's on the board of what the Pirate Scouts have um, watched and monitored. So. You know, they believed at that moment in time, you know, 
we're probably wondering why we didn't take another pitcher right there. However, I'm sure that he was the one on their draft board that they said had the most ability and talent. So therefore, they took uh, took a chance on this young kid as well. And uh, let's uh, let's hope that he. Uh, so I'm assuming he's a power hitter. We better hope because the Pirates <laughs> need it. And if you're if you're talking about the Pirates and not getting pitching, you're really going to love this next pick in the second round with the fifty second fifty seventh overall pick. They choose Matt Gorski from Indiana, a six foot four, hundred ninety five pounder, right handed outfielder from the Indiana Hoosiers, and uh, he's put twelve home runs and forty six RBIs in this past season up on the board. Yeah. So. A decent outfit when it comes to terms of college baseball players, yeah, yeah. which could multiply into a guy hitting thirty home runs a year. Yeah, twelve to fifteen home runs in college baseball. You're you're right. Would equal you know more like thirty to thirty five home runs in the majors, but the amount of games played. But uh, again, somebody that they can develop and. Uh, you know, have a good hitting coach to work with him, and uh, maybe we'll get a chance to see again some of these kids in Morgantown with the West Virginia Black Bears, as we did Kevin Newman again, who is starting right now at shortstop for the Pirates. And then for the seventy-second overall pick, they picked Jared Triolo from the University of the Houston Cougars, who is a right-handed batter and plays third base. A guy, Colin Moran, I think that's his job right now. He right has now it. It's yeah. his job to lose it is. right now it is his with how Jung Ho Gung. Absolutely. Really faltered when he yep. was given basically his second chance opportunity. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy, I don't know, he could definitely possibly come up one day. I've noticed when it comes to position players, if any position if any player is going to get to come up to the majors quick is a position player rather than a pitcher. They generally want Normally. the pitcher yeah. to just to ha- hone in on their energy. Garrett Cole rose up through the Pirates Fairly quickly out of UCLA, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, right now it does surprise me, though, that they've only taken one pitcher uh, in those first four rounds. Well, and this Trioli guy, he's bat- he batted 332 picks. this year with seven home runs. So not a bad – he definitely hits for average. A little bit less uh, power, but he definitely hits for average. And then the Pirates had a pick in the 90, 95th overall pick, a third round, and the Pirates go with another outfielder. Wow. They go from a guy from Arizona named Matt Frazier, a six foot three, two hundred and five pound outfielder who bats left but throws right handed. He hit four oh five, slugged five sixty five, and had twenty eight RBIs this past season. How many home runs? Twenty eight RBIs is not a lot of RBIs for a power man. Yeah, well, he hit four oh five, so he hit. He for hit four oh five and hit for average. What's well, five sixty five slugging percentage yeah, is not okay. the highest. So you know, again, I'm not sure, but four oh five. I just wonder if he had enough of bats to qualify. It sounds like he may have not even had a full season because usually they, when somebody hits four hundred, even in college baseball, it's usually recognized. So I just wonder if he qualified for the uh, the average. Um, and when it comes to the NCAA statistics, either way, I am surprised, Aaron, that they're not taking more arms. So and finally. For the fourth round pick, 124th overall, your prayers are answered. The <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates select J.C. Flowers from Florida State, age 21, height six foot two, 185 power, right-handed, right-handed pitcher. He's a guy who's got a fastball in the low 90s, a decent slider, and he's starting to develop a changeup. Change-ups are good, and that's one of the things, again, that Duke's pitcher kept the Mountaineers off balance with as well. I, I mentioned earlier the, the curveball and the slider, but he had a unbelievable change-up. If you have 
three pitches, that's great. You have four, and you know how to locate the ball. Like I said, you don't have to be a fireballer. So uh, Cy Young material. Uh, absolutely. It's good to see, uh, again, that they finally took a, a second pitcher out of those six players, I think, that you mentioned there. So two two pitchers and basically three outfield, or two outfielders, three outfielders as well as a third baseman. Is that correct? And the, yep, and the Pittsburgh Pirates, definitely, they'll have more draft picks as the draft is still ongoing. Uh-uh. You're talking about Duke's pitcher with a changeup. He reminds me of a guy who used to pitch for the Pirates, and, or not the Pirates, but the Mountaineers. And uh, I sound ignorant in saying this. I I can't remember what happened to him or where he went, but B.J. Myers yeah. pitched for the Mountaineers a few B- years ago. B.J. Myers he had one heck of a changeup. B.J. Myers, I do believe, did get drafted. He had an arm injury, I believe, and then he, I think he did get drafted, though, and I'm not sure exactly where he's at right now. Uh, I need to do a little bit more uh, research when it comes to the Mountaineer players and where they're at right now in the, in the minors or, or in the majors. But, uh, yeah, B.J. Myers, I, I've watched him pitch. I uh, had the opportunity to see him in Morgantown a couple times, and uh, he, uh, again, was a, a great pitch. The Mountaineers have had a lot of good pitching um, over the years. So I'm looking forward to um, next season when it comes to the Mountaineers, and we'll believe that the Pirates will somehow get some of these starters back and uh, get on a roll here before the All-Star break and start uh, getting picking up some wins. But Aaron, this is uh, you're going to have uh, you're going to be leaving us for a little bit, and uh, again, we can't really discuss those things as to where and, and where you're going. But uh, I will be continuing to do the podcast as you're going to uh, give a give us a little break here for about two to three weeks, and uh, so we will continue. Uh, you can tune in again to these podcasts, and uh, as Aaron host has been your host, as I said earlier, uh, I, I Kelly Gamble will fill in, and I'll try to find some other people to talk sports with me. If not. Uh, I think that I have no problem putting 30 minutes uh, of sports talk on uh, on this podcast. I know. I'm definitely before. leaving the listeners of the Sports Roundtable in good hands with you, Kelly. <laughs> I appreciate it, Aaron. It's always, again, a privilege and an honor. And uh, we are praying that God will take care of you and watch over you during these three weeks that you're going to be gone. And, uh, uh, you know, everybody needs to know that Aaron does, again, he's a uh, 22-year-old uh, WVU student who works here at WKMM and uh, does a great job here, not only with sports, but does a good job, again, as I said last week, behind the scenes as he has been helping with a lot of technological things here. And uh, it's been a huge help at WKMM. And uh, and I'm not an employee, but I'm here a lot. But uh, I enjoy helping you and uh and Neil Waldeck both here is uh, the owner and manager here at WKMM, and so I look forward to filling in for you. And uh, but I, I don't know that you're that I can replace you. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not. Um, I'm a little bit taken back. I don't know if I'm holding too big of a chair right here. I'm sure, much more powerful people have sat in this chair more than me. I'm just the person who's helped bring this sports roundtable along. I'm loving to see it develop. We got some things in the works to where this thing could get bigger come the fall with other shows we got in mind. We've had ideas for other podcasts, podcasts possibly which you, Kelly, could host on things you would like to discuss and hopefully gain a listenership to it. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the future. And again, the always remember the future starts somewhere and it starts right there in that chair. And uh, again, Aaron is a junior at WVU and and into uh, senior, senior, senior. I'm going into my senior year. Going into senior year. Okay, I'm sorry. Not I didn't to mean to correct change you on it. That no, that's one, good. But... I mean, that's good. So uh, you know, but again, to to go big places, a lot of times you know you got to start. So again, when you talk about that chair, uh, one of these days, you know, I can look back maybe and say, hey. That man sat in a chair right next to me one day, and I had an honor and a privilege to sit with him on sports podcast. And uh, uh, you never know what. 
what the man upstairs has in store for you. Don't know what the future holds, and only one entity knows that. That's right. But uh, you know what? You started somewhere, and you're in that chair, and you're speaking, and that's where it all starts. I feel feel like, uh, not to pat me on my own shoulder, um, I feel like I've came a decent ways from when I started back in August last year. You absolutely have, and like I said, it's been fun for me to watch your growth. Um, not only as a young man already, but as a, a sportscaster and, uh, you know, working here again, doing so much, uh, working diligently behind the scenes to, to do and prepare not only these podcasts and again, and also, uh, Aaron's going to have the opportunity to DJ a little bit here, uh, this week and, uh, look forward to listening to you on the radio, Aaron. Definitely bring in my voice over the airways of Preston County. Um, I know a lot of people know me around the county. Um, not as popular as some, but my name is definitely not unknown. So it's got, it gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling. It's got to. It gives me a little bit of warm, fuzzy oh, feeling. Good. I know I'll be giving the listeners something to hear while I'm gone. It'll be a short three weeks, and before I know it, I'll be sitting in this chair again right, talking buddy. about us coming and talking about my trip, talking about me being back. and We'll get and another we'll cornhole to- game in whenever you get back. What is that? We'll get another cornhole game in when you get back sometime. Definitely will. And I think this uh, three weeks is definitely going to train me because I think we've talked about doing some cornhole and stuff yeah, like that. So I may so. get some practice in a while. All right. But anyway, thank I'm you, at. buddy. I appreciate being here again tonight and look forward to seeing you when you get back. I'm looking forward to being back. I'm a little bit anxious, but we've ran all, ran out of all of time and we've kind of gave you a little bit of a bonus extra bit of the sports roundtable for Kelly Gamble. I'm Aaron Host. Thank you to all the sponsors. Three Guys Fitness in Reedsville, Brouhaha in Kingwood, Bruce uh, Park Superstores in Brewston Mills, and Robert Flores, who designed the artwork for the Sports Roundtable. For Kelly Gamble, I am Aaron Host, talking to you on July 3rd. Thank you.